0: Your eyes to the skies it's time for space Down on 95 bfm thanks to the stardom observatory and planetarium come in josh from the stardom
1: Kia ora, how's it going
0: good good uh how's how was uh your week
1: oh how's my week been so um good yeah schools um Lots of new space stuff. Lots of nice new photos from the James Webb Space Telescope, which has mm-hmm. kind of made, made my week. So <laughs> yeah, pretty good. Excellent.
0: Uh, now this afternoon, we we're, we're starting things off. Um, NASA's Voyager 2 probe is celebrating forty-five years in space and still going strong. It's the first, I guess, interstellar. Could you say spacecraft?
1: Yeah. So this so this is um, this is NASA's longest-standing active mission, forty-five years, which is. You know, pretty good. Um, yeah, this along with its twin probes, so they were actually, they built two of them, Voyager 1 and 2, um, launched back in 1977, and both of them now are in interstellar space, and yeah, they're kind of the first probes to you know enter into interstellar space and also still be active, so these probes are still working 45 years after launching, which is incredible, um, and they're still going strong, so it's a really big milestone for NASA.
0: What sort of information do they well, did they send back, and what sort of information are they capable of sending back?
1: Yeah, so I mean, these probes initially, they actually did what NASA called the grand tour. So they visited all of the outer planets, it went to Jupiter, Saturn, uh, and Voyager 2, went to the ice giants, Uranus and Neptune. Um, and then after Neptune, which was in 1989, it flung itself out of the solar system. Uh, and then in 2018 is when it actually reached into solar space. Um, so since then, you know, it's actually been studying a region of space that we've never been to, um, and Voyager, Voyager 1's also reached that same area. So they you know, they can study a lot about that region, um, but the only kind of downside, I guess, is that technology is extremely old. You know, this is from the 70s, essentially, and it's still working, but a lot of those machines, they do have to shut them down at the time. Um, they do have to conserve power, so they are still giving us data. It's not a huge amount of data, but it's definitely stuff that we've never seen before, which is yeah, just really impressive in terms of longevity.
0: Mm. Are they able to do imaging and that sort of thing?
1: No, they they basically turn the cameras off as soon as they left the other the outer planets. They you know just said we're not going to be using the cameras. A lot of the science is like plasma science, so it's a lot of data and numbers and things, um, not visual. So they don't need the cameras. They actually shut them off just because you yeah, know saving power essentially. Mm. Um, but yeah, they they still do a lot of science, just not not a lot of visual science like uh, the nice pretty photos that we get nowadays.
0: Any surprising information being sent back from them?
1: Honestly, I'm just surprised that they're still working. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I can imagine that they're quite beat up just being in that extremely harsh environment for so long. Um, And I I can kind of imagine they probably only have five years left, probably, Mm -hmm. in their batteries. Um, Yes. They're slowly losing power over time, and they have since they've launched. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, but I think, you know, when they finally do shut off, it's going to be... Pretty sad day for NASA, but I'm yeah, I'm just impressed that they're still working.
0: Forty-five years in space, man.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, your sucks. iPhone worked for three years, but mm. NASA's one's worked for forty-five in space.
0: Now the Russian cosmonauts aboard the ISS have been out doing a bit of a spacewalk, but have had a suit malfunction.
1: Yeah, that, um. So it's not just the American space suits that are having problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Russia, they they were conducting a spacewalk that was installing. Uh, some robotic arms, I think, on the outside of the space station, um, and it was kind of a planned six-hour space spacewalk, which is pretty standard. Um, but about two hours into the spacewalk, they one of the astronauts noticed some problems with his suit. It was um, what they called electrical problems, which could honestly mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you could because you, you can watch these things live. Yeah, mission control basically just said to him straight away, "Get back inside, get back inside," um, and they just had to rush back into the hatch, basically. Um, and just cancel the spacewalk. So, mm. yeah, they're a little bit skint on details. We don't exactly know what you know an electrical fault means, but you know, being in, in space in a spacesuit, you know, anything is, is really dangerous, especially when you know you've got humans involved.
0: I remember last time we spoke about this, and we talked about the spacesuits for the spacewalks. Uh, mm. That they they're all actually quite. Vintage suits, correct? Because yeah, they're so expensive yeah. to manufacture. Is that the same for the cosmonauts? The suits that they have up there are actually quite ancient space suits?
1: Yeah, exactly the same as NASA. They bought a lot of them in you know the 80s into the 90s, and they're still using them. Um, and, you know, if, if anything, the Russian ones are probably a lot older than the American ones. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's that kind of same problem. Is they, These are really expensive pieces of hardware. They just don't have the money to, you know, just whip up a new space suit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it kind of really does underpin the importance of the private sector. And, you know, companies actually making spacesuits for NASA and for um, Roscosmos and for the astronauts. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. These space agencies really don't have the budget to make them, mm. um, whereas, yeah, private industries, they've kind of got the innovation and the money to do them, so and I think that's kind of what NASA and the rest of the people on the space station will eventually be pushing for.
0: Do they have, do they have the tools to be able to repair a space, space suit up on the ISS?
1: They have minor things, so, you know, if there's small leaks, um, little really small things that you can kind of patch up, they absolutely can. They send them tools, so, to, you know, they have to send them back down to Earth every time. Um, but, you know, anything major, they just don't have the capacity. So mm-hmm. you'd have to send the spacesuit down back to Earth and then send it back up in yes. another launch, which in yeah. itself is you know, costing millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. So yeah, they, they just don't have the money for that, yeah. unfortunately. So yeah. they'll, they'll definitely just get as much use as they can out of their suits before they, yeah, kind of just get to the end of their life.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, NASA has identified some potential regions for landing the next uh, mission to the moon.
1: Yeah, this is kind of cool, because, um, yeah, Artemis 1's launching next, was it, next Tuesday morning, uh, like, 1 in the morning, so it's going to be pretty exciting. But, yeah, for the Artemis 3 mission, so that'll be the one that actually lands people on the Moon in 2025. NASA's announced um, basically 13 different regions. Um, they're all kind of clustered around the south pole of the Moon, so they've, you know, they've done studies and scans with other spacecraft, and they've kind of found the most suitable areas. Um, so now we kind of know exactly where, eventually, um, they're going to have people on the moon which is quite exciting honestly mm-hmm.
0: what are they going to do are there any I mean are there any particularly appealing regions I suppose they've got 13 to choose from but why would they choose a particular landing site
1: yeah so the really interesting thing about the south pole is the way that the moon orbits there's parts of the poles the north and the south pole where it's kind of like an Antarctic or the north on earth is. You know, times where those regions experience six months of daylight and then six months of nighttime. There's regions on the Moon and the South Pole which basically experience continuous sun. Um, and that's a real positive thing because when we want to, you know, put people there and have eventual, you know, outposts, we need to get constant solar power. Um, so those are the only regions on the Moon that have that. Because if, you know, if you put something on the Moon near the equator... Um, a day on the moon is about two weeks, and then you get two weeks at night time. So, you know, solar power, for example, is not going to work anywhere on the moon but those southern regions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, they need that energy. And the other thing is, they also need water. So, we know that there's frozen water in the ice caps, um, and they can use that water to split it. They can basically get oxygen and hydrogen oxygen for breathing, hydrogen for rocket fuel. And the water itself for astronauts so ice is the biggest resource that they have um and yeah they basically just said well we know that there's ice there so we're going to be landing in you know one of these 13 spots
0: Mm -hmm. do we know how long they're planning to stay on the moon for with this artemis 3 mission
1: we don't know the details yet and uh, you know they're still actually developing the landing systems i think realistically the missions are probably going to be up to seven days maximum Mm -hmm. um you know, we've, the longest we spent on the Moon with manned missions is three days. So yes. anything beyond that, you know, we're kind of stretching what we know about the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think about a week would be realistic, but it could also be as short as, you know, a day, even a few hours for those first landings. Um, but, yeah, n- no longer than a week, I'd assume.
0: Okay, interesting. Now, Josh, what's happening at the Stardom?
1: Um, we've got all of our regular shows at the moment. We've got our night sky tours. Um, we're about to ramp into our Was it spring? It's almost spring which is I'm actually just sitting in the sun looking at the sky um, Our spring night sky tours So those basically running every Wednesday Through Sunday uh, And we've got our laser light shows Every Tuesday which is also tonight um, So yeah if anyone's looking for plans We've got those running at the moment
0: Excellent, sounds good um, Alright Josh, hey thank you very much For jumping on the phone with us, we'll give you a buzz In fortnight's time
1: Alright, especially speak to you then
0: Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium.